All right. Good to see you, Reckless. Happy Wednesday to you. You guys are spread out tonight. What's the deal? We got them like all over in this corner over here. Nobody up in here. What's up with that? Hey, so we are tonight beginning a brand new series that I'm excited about. And uh, you may not be excited about it yet, but hopefully as we get into this, you will be excited about called Find Find Life. And so here's, here's what we're going to be doing over the course of this series. This is a series that we're going to be studying, as you can read, Ephesians chapter 1. All right, so we are, this entire, for the next four weeks, we're going to be in one chapter of the Bible. That's it. But there is so much truth. There is so much incredible information in there that, um, that it's going to blow your mind. All right, so I hope you guys are excited about that. And uh, it's going to be a great series. So here's what I'm going to challenge you guys to do. Maybe in your quiet time, you carve out time. There's only 23 verses in Ephesians 1. All right. So over the next four weeks, I would imagine you might be crazy busy. You've got all these exams. School's terrible. But I would imagine that you can carve out a couple of minutes a day and maybe just kind of break up a couple verses at a time and just read it on your own. All right. So that way you're coming in here and as we're talking through some of these things, you've already been reading it and you've already been thinking through it. God's already been revealing who he is in the midst of that. All right. So that's what we're going to be doing. Ephesians 1, we're clear on that. All right. So it's in the New Testament, kind of, you know, halfway through the New Testament. So that's what we're going to be doing. Now in your groups earlier, hopefully you guys got around to this question. Maybe some of you didn't. But the question was, if you wanted a great life, all right, if you were going to create a great life, if you were going to come up with these ingredients for a great life, what would you need to have a great life? All right, and kind of leave it at that. And that can be open-ended and you guys can talk through that or whatever. And maybe in your own mind, even if you didn't talk about that early in your groups, you're thinking through what that would be. What ingredients would we need? What things would we need in order to have, in our definition, a great life? Now, if you think about it, there's so much about what we do and our thought process and the time that we spend in a lot of ways is all about us creating the best life that we can possibly create for ourselves. That's why some of you study so hard, because you know that these exams and these classes matter because they're going to impact where you go to college and, and you know that the college you're going to go to is going to impact you know, what you do with your career and that career is going to determine how much success you have which is going to determine whether or not you have a great life. So much of the things that you and I are interested in we love, we, we enjoy, we love so we're spending a lot of time thinking about those things. It even can add potentially a lot of stress to our lives. Right? There's a lot of pressure to think, man, I've, I've got to put together, I've got to create what I think is going to be a great life. And so maybe even as a 14-year-old or an 18-year-old, you're thinking right now, man, there's so much pressure on me right now that I've got this life and I've got to figure out what I want to do with, with my life and what I want. And you, know, there's, it, you just feel like you're, there's a whole lot of pressure and stress that's involved in that. What if I told you and maybe of great relief to some of you who feel a little bit stressed out right now. What if I told you that you have already been offered the greatest life imaginable? You don't have to plan for it. 
You don't have to put it together. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to create it yourself. It's already been created for you. It's already been made available to you. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at a lot of those things that have been made available to us. And hopefully, as we do that, we're going to begin to understand this life that God has for us. All right, so let's dive in tonight. So if you've got your Bibles, open to Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Just blank stares. Bring your Bibles, all right? One chapter, so you can even take a screenshot of it on your phone app or whatever. It's, that, it's even that simple, all right? So Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to do it a little bit different, all right? Over the course of the series tonight, we're just going to look at seven verses. But we're going to kind of break it up, just go verse by verse almost, all right? So I want you guys to stay locked in because there's so much truth, so much value to what we're going to talk about tonight. So here's how Paul starts in Ephesians 1 verse 1. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. All right, so let's stop just a minute. All right, so in this first verse, just to kind of give us a little bit of understanding of what's, what he's talking about. All right, so the apostle Paul, who has been changed by God and he is, Jesus has come to him and now Jesus has actually left the scene. And so he has tasked the disciples and Paul to go and to spread the gospel. All right, so that's what they're doing. And so Paul identifies at the very beginning who he is and who the people in that church are. And he labels them himself and that church of Ephesus faithful followers of Jesus. All right, he labels them right off the bat who they are. And here's why that, that has so much relevance to us. Because just like who Paul is and this church of Ephesus our primary identity, before we are anything else, we are children of God and we are followers of Jesus. All right, that is who we are. All right, and a follower of Jesus means that we are committed to doing whatever Jesus commands us to do. You can't follow somebody and refuse to do what they ask you to do or to submit to the plans that they have for you. So Paul, right off the bat, is saying to them and to us, hey, you're followers of Jesus. Don't forget your identity. Don't forget who you are. That's who you are, all right? Now, in verse three, he says the first thing that makes this the greatest life imaginable. Listen to what he says in verse three. He says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. All right, now stop right there. Paul says that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. What the heck does that mean? What does it mean when Paul says we've been blessed with spiritual blessings? Paul is saying, first of all, it's much more than just temporary blessings that sometimes we immediately think of. The temporary blessings of possessions or of money or of good health. Some of the things that when we think of blessings, we immediately think about those things. Paul said, it's not that stuff. I'm talking about spiritual blessings. All right, so what does Paul mean when he says that? Do you, ask yourself this, do you want access to God? He's given it to you. 
Do you want purpose and an identity? Do you want meaning for your life? It's yours. Do you want to be loved unconditionally? You are. Do you want to have joy in every circumstance, no matter what it is? It's done. Do you want to have wisdom in the decisions that you've got to make to make the best decisions, the wisest decisions that are best for you and the people that it may impact? God says it's yours. Do you want to, in the day-to-day, everyday life, do you want to have courage and do you want to live with supernatural power? It's been given to you. See, when, when Paul's saying we've been given every spiritual blessing, those are some of the things that Paul's talking about. Those are some of the things that Jesus is making available to you and I. I, I kind of think a little bit about my own relationship with my kids. All right, so for my kids, what do they receive from Angie and myself just because they're ours? Yeah, they get love, affection. They get everything that we can give them, right? I mean, it's not just about we're gonna give them money and you know, possessions and things like that. It's much more than that. So they, they have our name, all right? They belong to us and we're all a part of the same name. That name is given to them. It's ours that we share. We give them our love and protection. We give them our commitment to give them or to care for them and to not give up on them no matter what. I mean, there are things, whatever we have, we give to our kids because they're ours. But Angie and I are also limited to what we can give our kids. We can't give them everything. Not even the greatest parent that exists could possibly give their kids everything. But that's not true with Jesus. Paul says that we've been given every spiritual blessing. In other words, everything good that God possesses, and God possesses everything that's good, he gives to us as his children. God makes available to us. He blesses us with those things because of who he is. Now, how do we get those things? How is it that we have these spiritual blessings from God? Look at what it says at the end of verse three. Because we are united with Christ. We have every blessing in Christ because we have been united with Christ. All right, that is kind of the phrase or whatever as you leave this, I want you guys to really latch onto. All right, we have every blessing in Christ because we have been united with Christ. All right, let's practice this. Let's say this together. We have every blessing in Christ because we've been united with Christ. That was terrible. Let's try it again. We have been united with Christ. Go ahead. We have a screen. We have a slide. We have a slide. There it is. 
All right, let's say this together, okay? We have every spiritual blessing in Christ because we have been united with Christ. There we go. We can read. All right, that's it. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ because we have been united with Christ. It all comes back to the fact that we have been united with Christ. Now, a couple years ago, uh, Andrew Prey, who was our um, worship pastor here, he called me up one day. He's like, hey, man, um, my uncle is, he works for Monday Night Football. And Monday Night Football is going to be in town for the Falcons game. And so he has invited us to come down there and he's going to give us a tour of like their whole operation. So he's like, do you want to come down there and check it out? And I'm like, heck yeah. So our middle son, Jad and I hop in the car and we go down to the Georgia Dome with Andrew and with his son, Noah. And for, you know, we pull up to the Georgia Dome and we pull up to the little guard shack thing and, and he, Andrew mentions his uncle's name and they lift the gate and we drive under, you know, underneath the Georgia Dome where nobody else really parks, all right? It's not the general parking area. So we get out of our car and his uncle sees us, walks over to us and he introduces himself and he says, hey, I've got, he gives us these lanyards and he says, you need to, all you, all you guys need to put this around your neck and you need to do two things. You need to keep it on you and you need to stay with me. And so then for the next two hours, he walked us through every single part of their entire operation to put on Monday Night Football. So we, walked, we uh, went up into these trailers where they had video cameras and, you know, these uh, sound boards. And so we're putting on the headphones and we're talking to the cameramen and we're seeing all the camera angles. And, you know, we're, we're talking back and forth to people and we're seeing, the, you know, the different things that they do. And we're watching them put the, you know, the words up on the screen. And um, then, we, then he walks us up into the actual booth where the announcers are. And we're looking down on the field and we've got the Monday night football green screen behind us. And, you know, we put on the headsets and we're talking to the microphones and we're getting like the full deal as if we're the announcers for Monday Night Football. Then he takes us down onto the field. And our boys are running around and they're pretending like they're running routes. And, you know, we're walking around the field. And we've got a, a picture you guys can, can throw up here where we're actually at the, um, the booth where they do like the, you know, the halftime report and the end of the game analysis and stuff like that. And so we are... For, the, for those two hours, we are getting an experience like none other. And we saw how big of a difference it was to see the game up close and personal versus seeing the game up in the nosebleed seats or watching it from the comfort of your own couch. And for us, what made that possible is because we had these lanyards around our neck and when anybody asked us, we were able to say, we're with him. Now, when it comes to what Paul is talking about here, about we've been united with Christ, we've been given these spiritual blessings. It's similar to that whole thing, that access that we've been given. But our union with Christ is so much greater. This is so much better than the difference between you know, enjoying a game up close and personal and watching it from the nosebleed seats. Our union with Christ is the difference between receiving everything good that God has to offer us 
and being condemned because of our sin. That's the difference between the two. If we're united with Christ, we've been given everything good that God has to offer us. And if we're not united with Christ, then we stand condemned because of our sin. That's how big of a deal our being united with Christ is. And what have we done ourselves to be able to receive these spiritual blessings and this union with Christ? Look at what Paul continues on in verse 4. He says, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Now, in those two verses, what is it that you see that you and I have done to make that possible? Have we done anything? We haven't done a single thing. You read those two verses again. It's that God loved us, that God chose us in Christ to be holy, that God adopted us into his family, that it gave God great pleasure to be able to do those things. You and I did nothing to earn it or deserve it. And then he uses words like, even before the world began and in advance, he chose to adopt us into his family. What Paul is saying here is that all of this happened before the creation of the world. This was all part of God's plan. See, some of us had the misconception that sin and that whole thing and like where we ended up and why Jesus came and all that kind of happened more like this, where, you know, God creates things and he's sitting back there and he's watching. He's like, no, no, Adam, Eve, no, no, don't do, why'd you do that? Gosh, no, man, no, stay away from, oh, come on, man. No, look, man, oh, crap, man, sin, man, it's messing this whole thing up. All right, no, stop. All right, hold on. We're going to have to, all right, Trinity, huddle up here. We're going to have to, like, let's figure this whole thing out. We're going to have to come up with a plan. We're going to have to figure out how we're going to resolve this. All right. All right, all right, so Jesus, what? Uh, this is crazy. What if, what if you died? Like, all right, let's, let's, what about a cross? All right, let's use a cross. Yeah, let's just, let's go with that. Let's see if, let's see if that works. All right, like, how ridiculous is that? It's ridiculous you watching me do that. And it's just, the thought process of that is just completely ridiculous that Sin just kind of happened and God's like, oh crap, what are we going to do, guys? Let's figure this thing out. And maybe we could, Jesus, why don't you go and die? And maybe that could solve this whole thing. And Paul's going, that's not how it happened at all. This was in God's wisdom, in God's sovereignty, which means God is supreme in control and knows what happens at the end from the very beginning. So in God's sovereignty, this was all part of God's plan. Sin did not catch him by surprise. He created this before the world even began. And he created and loved you and loved me 
And not only did he love you and I, and not only was his plan to send Jesus to die for us, but it says that his plan was for you and I to be made holy and blameless without any fault in his eyes. And it gave him great pleasure to do it. God didn't do it reluctantly. God loved you enough. God cared enough about you and about me that even though he knew all of our crap and all of our junk and he knew the brokenness of our situation, he didn't reluctantly go, all right, Jesus, there's no other way, so why don't you go ahead and do this? It says, because of his love for us and the glory he was gonna receive, it gave him great pleasure to do this. He willingly, with a smile on his face, sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. To make us right with him so that we could be holy and blameless in his eyes. You guys understand how big of a deal this is. I I want you to think about this. Before you were even born, God loved you enough He cared enough about you that he willingly and gladly sent his son to be the sacrifice for your sins. He knew your brokenness. He knew your family situation. He knows the mistakes that you made, that you tuck away, that you feel like no one else knows. He knows the rumors about you. He knows the things that people say about you, even behind your back. He knows the stress that you're under. He knows the struggles and the temptations that you face. He knows what your social media account looks like. He knows everything about you. He knows the level of sin and darkness that exists in your life and in my life. He knows the condition of our heart. And yet we still give him pleasure. He still loves us and cares about us. Enough that it gave him pleasure to send his own son, his only son, to step into our mess and to die the death that you and I should have died because of our sin and our darkness. You may sit there and go, how in the world could God love you and me that way? I got no clue. I have no idea how God could love us the way that he does. It makes no logical sense whatsoever. It is almost impossible to fully get your mind around it and understand and comprehend to the level that he actually loves us. But he does. And he pours out his grace and his love on us. And he desires to make us holy and blameless without a single fault in his eyes. You may sometimes think that God is disappointed in you or doesn't care about you. And yet the reality is the opposite. That even if you choose to reject him. 
he still loves you and takes pleasure in you. He still desires for you to have a relationship with him. He still desires to make you unified with him so that he can pour out every spiritual blessing on you. Here's how Paul finishes in verse six and seven. So we praise God. And I think as much as we're able to with our finite minds to be able to understand how much God loves us, that may be the only reaction that we have. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. We have every blessing in Christ because we've been united with Christ. Every blessing. God withholds no good thing from us. Here's how this impacts us tonight. For some of you, your search is over. All that creating and planning, all of that effort, all of the things that you do to try to figure out how can I create the best life that I can possibly have. Is that that search can come to an end because Jesus has already created it for you. Jesus has already made it available to you. And all the creating and planning and strategizing and all of the effort and all of the things that you may do to try to come up with your definition of the greatest life could still be pretty good. But there's no way that it could possibly compare with what has already been made available to you. And it's been made available to you because we've been united with Christ. For some of you tonight, you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. You've already been united with Christ. And so the invitation to you is stop planning, stop strategizing, stop running from me. You are a follower of Jesus. So follow him. Commit your life to him. Be willing to go where he says go. Be willing to do what he says to do. And in the process, he is making everything good available to you because of your relationship with him. For some of you, the invitation is for you to come to Jesus. Maybe you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. Maybe you don't receive those spiritual blessings that God wants to give you because you've never been united with Christ. You've never come to a moment in your life where you've admitted your sin and gone, all right, God, I'm dysfunctional and messed up and there's darkness in my heart and there's nothing I can do to fix it. And God, I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking for you. I'm receiving the invitation that you're offering to me to make me right with you. And if you never had a moment in your life 
where you've asked Jesus to forgive you and to come and live inside of you and to make you united with him. Then that's where it starts for you tonight. I'm asking you guys, heads bowed and eyes closed. Tonight, I believe that there are some of you in this room that you've, maybe you've played church for long enough. Maybe you come every week, but you've never had a moment in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. And Jesus is standing there and he's inviting you to come to him. And he's offering you forgiveness and he's offering you access to him and he's offering you peace that passes all understanding and he's offering you the wisdom that you could never have on your own. And he's offering you a plan and a purpose and an identity that nothing in this world could compare to. And all you've got to do is receive it. Tonight, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, but you want to take that step tonight, then you can just pray this prayer after me. Just say, Dear Lord, I understand that my sin separates me from you. I understand that there is nothing that I can do to earn your forgiveness. But I believe that Jesus died for me. And I want to receive the forgiveness of sin and the life that you offer me. And so tonight, Jesus, I'm asking for you to forgive me. For you to make me new. I want to be united with you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if if that was you tonight and you said, hey, I I said that prayer, I repeated that after you. You just slip your hand up with no one looking around. That's the decision that I made tonight. I want my sins to be forgiven. Jesus, I thank you for the hands that have been raised tonight. I thank you for the students whose hearts you are moving in and you're opening their eyes to see your love for them, maybe on a scale that they've never really understood before. God, I thank you for those students who have put their faith and trust in you as Savior, who want to be forgiven from their sins. And God, I thank you that when we come to that moment where we ask you to forgive us, God, you say that everything has changed and that now we go from someone who stands condemned because of our sins, who is an enemy of yours, to now we are your son or your daughter and we have been given every spiritual blessing. God, I I pray for God, all of us tonight, that we would, you would help us unlock this life that is the greatest life imaginable. God, what it looks like to receive 
these spiritual blessings, God, that you have poured out your love on us, that we have maybe doubted your love or we've had moments where you've wondered whether or not you see what's going on. And yet the truth is from the beginning of time before the world even began, he loved us and it gave you great pleasure to redeem us and to make us holy because of your son's death on the cross. God, how could you love us that way? God, I pray that you would help us to understand this love that surpasses all understanding and that we would begin to follow you and live out this life that you've called us to. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.